Okay, everyone. Hello, and welcome to today's webinar, How to Build the Service Layer into Your Mobile App Development Business. Uh, my name is Scott Colonico, and we welcome you here. I uh, hope everybody is ready to learn a bunch about your mobile development web business. This is the second in our series of webinars. Uh, the first webinar on how to get started with developing your, your uh, monthly recurring revenue series in our web webinar series is available on YouTube. I'll send around a link for that as well. Uh, today's issue of the, today's episode of the webinar is being recorded. We'll also send this around as well. You'll get a link uh, into the uh, in the from the GoToMeeting with the address and where you can you can see a copy of that. Um, as always, we do have time for a few questions at the end of this webinar. Uh, time is a little bit tight, so we will take three questions at the end of the webinar. If you have any questions, just use the chat interface there, and you can drop us a line, ask us a question, and um, we'll get to it at the end of the webinar. Okay, uh, so uh, next slide, please. Here with me is uh, Mr. Bob Lawson. Hello, hello, Bob. Hello. Okay, all right, there How you, you do. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. So if, if we could go ahead and, and, and get to the next slide there. Okay, there you go. As I said, mentioned, my name is Scott Colonico. I will be the chair of today's webinar. I'm head of content here at Cumulus. I'm a journalist and work in the social media and have been in the kind of, it's kind of scary when you see it there. I've been in the tech industry for, for over 22 years now um, in various uh, services, but mostly in the content marketing side of things. Uh, Bob Lawson is the founder of Cumulus. Uh, previously worked as a commercial role with large mobile app development businesses. And he's got 15 years of working with businesses product, product, uh, all right, to make service offerings happening. Okay, Bob, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty okay. good. Still good, okay. So next slide, we're going to go ahead and tell you a little about what's going on in the webinar today. Uh, today we'll cover uh, just a brief overview here. Uh, we'll revisit why recurring revenue is important, which is what we covered in our first webinar in this series. And then we'll suggest a re a pr an approach on how to productivize your services, why this is going to be a good thing, uh, how to help build them, how to fit them with your services into here, custom fit and scale your services and how to position your services to sell. And then we'll work through an example towards the end of how you can do this with your business. Uh, next slide, please. Yes, there you go. And what you'll get at today, well, business owners will get how to take your services and create profitable services that your sales team can sell and a service that your delivery team can deliver on. And they'll get how to build a differentiated position for your businesses so you can stand out from the crowd. Uh, on the commercial side of things, you'll see how to sell the value of your recurring revenue services so you can win more projects. Uh, next slide, sir. Okay, and we said this is a webinar two out of three in our series. You can see all these webinars listed at cumulus.com slash webinars. Uh, we've got the recording of webinar number one up there now. Uh, we'll have the recording of webinar today's webinar up there uh, either tomorrow or Monday, hopefully tomorrow. And then you'll get an email following this telling you where you can go watch this uh, webinar. Also, and number three, webinar number three would go into more details about this. And that's this will be in October uh, next month, towards the end of the month as well. And we'll go into the details on the, this webinar at the end of today's session. Okay, next slide, sir. Okay, thanks, Scott. Um, welcome, everybody, and uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, to join our webinar. Um, as Scott said at the beginning, we will go over some of the 
things very, very briefly that we covered in the first webinar. I'm aware that there are quite a few people on this webinar that didn't come to the first one. So just so that this the latter half of this presentation makes sense, I'm going to spend a little bit of time just going over some of the key points that I covered in the webinar last month. Um, and the first one really is just a scene setter in terms of the backdrop. Um, when we're talking about mobile app development companies, we're talking about companies that build mobile apps on behalf of other businesses. Uh, you know, whether those they are enterprise, Fortune 500, SMBs, startups, or app entrepreneurs, we don't we don't really mind. It's still the same the same thing. Um, this has directly come out of a piece of research that we've done over the last year, talking to hundreds and hundreds of mobile app development businesses around the world talking to them about their challenges and their approaches and how they solve some of the common problems that we start to we started to see um, when we're talking to mobile app development businesses. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to distill this down into a set of common practices just to show some of the ways in which you can approach this. I mean, we're not saying this is the only way to do it, but what we're trying to do is give you some examples to, to really um, get you thinking about how you might want to approach um, the challenges. So, um, a very quick spin through some of the things I talked on the last webinar, the drown and swim challenge. The, the problem with a lot of mobile app development businesses is that they rely almost exclusively on project revenue, which is lumpy, it's unpredictable. Um, and you can almost guarantee that projects don't fall nicely and neatly in sequence, even as neat as I have here, um, which then means that you start behaving in suboptimal ways chasing projects that you wouldn't normally chase um, and ultimately potentially delivering projects for customers that don't make any money and maybe even lose your money. The other problem you have of course is that most businesses have a running cost and for simplicity I've got this as a flat line but in reality you'll probably find that your running costs will be rising over time not just flat but the key point in there is the fact that um, there's a dip between your actual costs and your expense at any one time, which means that you've got to be holding a lot of cash in reserve to, to give you a chance of actually seeing yourself through, through the lean times, particularly if you don't know how long those, those gaps in projects are going to be. But ultimately, if you can create a, a service revenue line underneath that to underpin your project revenue to a point where um, it more than pushes yourself up the dips above your running costs, then you're obviously in a much better place. And as I covered very briefly in the other presentation if you're a business owner it also then means that the value of business is higher because potential purchases of your business will value the recurring revenue um, within your business at a much higher valuation than they will any project-based revenue just because it's more visible so second very quick thing I want to go through is the typical app cycle app life cycle um, you can see in here that I've just again been simplistically broken this down into three main phases. The creativity phase, which is typically three weeks, the build phase, which is typically three months or ultimately could be nine months. And ultimately the, the overall lifespan of the of the app is two, three, maybe four years. Traditionally, businesses seem to focus on the creative and build phase, but what we're really talking about here is how they can then start making money from this optimization phase, dropping in a whole series of different services um, that ultimately will mean that they can continue to earn from that client even once they've shipped their first app. I'll come back to that in detail and take note of these little uh, numbered bubbles. The second thing is looking at ways in which you can actually then start building a progressive set of services based on the specific needs of the customer. So what we're going to be talking about here are reactive services, proactive services and managed services. So reactive services, um, think of it as um, this simple statement, 
this is what has happened this month. So you're simply giving a factual account of whatever's happened to the customer's app during that period. Proactive app services just adds a little bit of value on top. So it says what has happened, but then advises what might what the app owner might want to do to improve the outcome of their app. And ultimately the managed service, as we call here the, the, the level three service, um, is the fully outsourced managed service that um, um, effectively means that you're acting as an extension to your to your customer's business. I'll come back to that and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this in more detail when I actually get into the example at the end of this webinar. So very quickly building the, the, the matrix and again I talk about this in a lot more detail in the previous webinar but ultimately what we're talking about here is our service levels going from reactive, proactive to manage from the previous slide, and then mapping that against the customer lifecycle of the maintenance phase, the acquisition phase, engage phase, and the retain phase within a typical app. And ultimately, taking the numbers and, and symbols from others, just to, to make that really clear, is really looking at ways in which you can start building service packages um, where you would include different levels of service, depending on the specific need of the client, but always mapping that against the, the, the service levels in terms of the amount of um, the, the degree of service you want to offer them, and then also the, the importance probably driven by where the app is in its overall life cycle. It's a very new app. The focus is maybe going to be more on inquire engage. If it's a relatively mature app, it's much more about engage and retain. So ultimately though, um, you know, although this is a lot about recurring revenue, the thing that is clear when we talk to a lot of mobile app businesses here is there actually is a bigger price here than just the mobile, just the, the recurring revenue you can generate from mobile apps. Um, the one thing that is really clear, and go back to that life cycle slide that I showed before about create, um, build and optimize, very, very few businesses out there um, really do focus on the the latter stages of the, the life cycle of the app. They focus very much just on the build phase and then after that their, their involvement with the client starts to tail off. If you deliver services that are more extensive than your competitors, you will differentiate yourself, you'll stand out and you will win more you will win more clients. When we talk to people that are following this or their flavor of this, what they do say is that they are conversations they have with prospective clients and the ultimate win rates they get from the, the bids that they put out do go up substantially because the client is hearing a very different story and a more engaged story than they're typically getting from the mobile app development agency that's just simply talking to them about how efficient um, and how technically skilled they are to help them build the project. So ultimately, this will not just allow you to generate recurring revenue, but could also be a way in which you could actually differentiate yourself and, and uh, increase your, your win rate on the projects you're bidding for. So just to emphasize that, um, you know, again, this is the typical way in which uh, people, your competitors will will position yourself. But ultimately, if you're going across the full life cycle of the app, covering the acquisition, engagement, retention, and ultimately the retirement phase to then rebuild the app and launch it as the second version of the app, you'll be talking a much more strategic service and uh, ultimately, as we've as I've said, um, the people that take this end up winning more projects as a result. So some important things about this at this point, just to sort of pause for a moment, because I know I, I probably rattled through that very, very, very quickly, because I don't really want to talk too much to the topic that I talked on the last webinar. But I think there's a few things I really want to, to hi highlight here, because I'm going to come back to them at least twice in this in this latter part of this 
uh, this webinar. When you're building the service blocks, um, it's really important to get the customer used to the idea of pay, paying you monthly and having a very low entry price for what you're offering. Don't try and uh, sell them something which is a very difficult thing for them to say yes to. Um, think about ways in which you can build it in a, in a tiered way. So that's why we had the, the reactive, proactive and managed so that ultimately you can sell a progressive service and a progressive price, which means that you've got the op option to go back and upsell and increase the revenue you get from that client, which is obviously important. Um, try and start with something that doesn't have too much of an impact on your, your business model. You know, what would you don't need to do here is to be thinking about to build these service packages. I now have to hire a marketing team. I now have to hire business analysts. You might get to that point and you might decide that that's something that you want to do, but you don't have to test this concept with a big investment. The last thing we want from this is for you to increase your running costs and potentially put your business more risk. So we think we've got a way where you can actually test this and grow and scale into the service over time. And the last thing here is what's really important with any service you're offering your clients, obviously, is you've got to set expectations very clearly. You've got to be very specific about what's in scope and out scope. And more importantly, you have to have a very clear line in the sand that you don't step over. Um, or if you do, you make it very clear to the client that you're doing it as a one-off favor, because as soon as you set an expectation higher than the service you're, you've sold to the client, it becomes very difficult to then turn around to the client a couple of months later and say, now you need to pay for that free piece that I've been giving you. So it's very important to set the expectation and stick as firmly to it as you possibly can. So just to talk about the service proposition, you know, the the this is really regardless of whether you're selling um, a retained product, a, a re retention service, or whether you're actually selling um, just this, this overall maintenance service. But ultimately, this is the way in which you could potentially describe how you would engage with your clients. You know, what you do is different from the average mobile app development company. Um, you'd, of course, offer the same level of creativity and the same level of technical skills and the same reliability of any other company. But the whole idea here is that you go further. You help them across the entire life cycle of the app. And in the previous slide, we talked in the previous webinar, we talked about um, this idea of not stopping at the water's edge, but going into the swamp with the client. Um, you work with them to provide the tools to gain insight, to help them improve the performance of the app, and ultimately improve the overall outcome of that app. Um, and if, when you're talking this language to a client, um, it will actually mean that you stand out because most people will stop at the first paragraph saying, we're a great technically competent mobile app developer. So I'm now starting into a little bit more of the, the meat of the, the topic that I want to cover today. I'm going to spend some time going into the various levels and blocks to give you an example of um, the reactive service, the proactive service, and the managed service, digging into much more detail than I did in the previous webinar. Um, and then I'll go on to an individual service level on the, the reactive, proactive, and managed level, just to see the things that we see commonly being included within that service. So the reactive service, as I've said before, is really just to think of it as a statement as we've seen this and we're telling the customer what has factually happened during the month. You're typically going to try and answer the big questions the customer has. Um, you're probably going to be more reselling technology that you're buying in from elsewhere, which means that you don't have to dedicate any labor or any real um, value add to it. You're simply just adding a margin on top or, or not, as the case may be, depending on how you decide to price it. I'll cover that in the next webinar. As I've said, you don't have to change the business model. It will allow you to either 
um, sell a package of recurring revenue or what a number of people do is they actually just offer it as a value-added service to ensure that they win the sale. So they, they effectively offer a lot of these things at free or at cost uh, just as a sweetener to actually improve their, their win rate. Now, again, that depends very much on where your mobile app business is at the moment. We talk to some businesses that their win rates are 1 in 15, which must be hugely demoralizing. So if your focus isn't so much on recurring revenue, but it's just improving that win rate, you can offer these services as, as a sweetener to improve that win rate. And we have talked to companies that have started with a, a double-digit um, win rate, so 1 in 10 win rate, um, and by talking some of these services and showing how they can do that and be involved, more involved with the client and driving success, they've actually been able to dramatically reduce that or increase that win rate issues and reduce that ratio down to from 1 in 10 to 1 in 5, 1 in 6. And obviously that has a huge impact on the revenue that's coming into the company. The important thing, as I've said before in the one of the previous slides, is don't try and shoot for the stars or, as I said in previous webinar don't try and hit a home run every time but get them used to paying a small amount of small amount of money monthly and then through the progressive structure of the tiers upsell them into higher value more expensive packages when it's right for the client both in terms of when they are ready to buy because they're asking for services that are out with the scope of the service package they're on at the moment or they're app is maturing to a point where they need to move beyond just the pure acquisition phase but into engagement and retention and possibly even getting ready for retirement and the last thing is make sure you stay visible a customer that sees what they're getting back and sees value in what you're delivering will continue to pay a customer that pays you money and never sees any tangible um, evidence of what they're getting the value that they're getting from that will very quickly be um, be cancelling that contract with you and ultimately that means losing touch with the customer and you know the possibility of you winning any ongoing business from them obviously becomes a lot less so it's really important to stay in, in touch with the customer um, and keeping the service you're delivering very visible I'll cover that a, a bit later so just to fill out this reactive box this is from the previous presentation as well so I'm not going to talk too much to this but just this is the idea of the sorts of statements that you would um, deliver to under the maintenance acquisition engagement and retention service blocks and the idea here is that depending on what the client wants you would switch these services on or switch these services off um, depending on uh, the exact need of the client at that time the reactive service typically would include a whole bunch of different things and i won't go through and read this you'll you'll be able to pause this part of the presentation in the recorded webinar if you really want to read this stuff but the whole idea is that you're defining in detail exactly what the, the reactive service would include um, and stating a price that actually you would get that you would get for that. So in this example, a working example of $250 a month for each app that you're managing for them is just a, a rule of thumb. I'm obviously going to go into pricing a lot more in the in the in the next presentation. Equally important, I keep emphasizing this, but equally important is what's not included in the in the reactive service. So making a very clear statement that you're paying for this. Um, but you're not paying for the following services. So you're not paying for a meeting, a strategic meeting to discuss how they might want to improve their app. Um, you're not paying for any ideas until the until ideas in terms of how they can actually improve the performance of the the um, app store listing um, and a whole bunch of other things. So you're kind of dangling these as carrots to almost get the client to ask, well, maybe I do want to pay for these things. And if they do, um, 
then you would talk to them about the proactive service and maybe suggest a price of $495 a month, again, just as a, as a working example. So significantly more expensive than the baseline cost. You're giving them something which is relatively easy for them to say yes to, particularly if it's a very small percent of the overall build cost. And your progressive service is a significant step up in terms of cost, but not an eye-watering amount that's, that's really going to give them a problem. But they're obviously, you're building in there an element of labor because the progressive, the whole idea of the progressive um, selling is that once you move up to a proactive service, then you're obviously having to add some of your time in there to interpret the stats and show them how they could uh, start to improve the performance of their app. So the difference between level one and level two, proactive, reactive to proactive, is you're still going to state, we've seen this, and this is what we'd recommend you do to fix it. So the value add is the, um, these are the. This is how we'd recommend it. They'll come to you as the mobile app development expert. Um, they'll work with you because you're the person who's working with clients and helping a whole range of clients improve the performance of the app. Um, and ultimately, the, with the proactive service, for just a couple of extra hundred dollars a month, um, you're there to add that little bit extra value and give them some guidance to what they could do to the app to to improve its overall performance. Some ideas of what would be included in the in the proactive service would be pretty much everything that you've got in level one. Um, but as I've said before, you know, some advice and guidance, you would be giving them broad ideas in terms of what they could do to improve downloads from the app store. So obvious things like more frequent updating to the app, um, optimizing the app store the app store listing, adding video. These are just suggestions that you're going to give. And most importantly, if they then take up any of these suggestions, then they would pay for those to be implemented. Um, you wouldn't absorb that within your overall service offering. They would be things that you would then agree a price on. Same goes to from within the actual structure of the app. Um, if things are changing and uh, you need to uh, look at uh, how you can uh, add additional features into the app, maybe from the MVP roadmap, um, or most recently, uh, Android Oreo and iOS 11 launching and the potential bugs that might have come into the app as a result of the, the underlying operating system changed, you would then be saying to them, that's out with our standard warranty period or with our, our, our um, whatever service package you have in terms of the stability of the code base that you shipped at the point where the app goes, went live. You would then be going back and saying that we've seen an increase in crash in HTC phones, we need to then do some work to your app to, to improve the performance as a result of the, the Android Oreo launch. And that would again create a project that you would agree ahead of time and generate potentially another five to $10,000 worth of, of project build revenue. Same thing as before, you know, this is what we've seen and this is what we do to improve the performance of the app um, in terms of its stability and performance. Um, this is what we would do to improve the store listing and drive more downloads, um, to drive more engagement in the app, and ultimately to retain app users in the app for, for longer periods. So um, again, taking the things that you're learning from the reactive phase and the, the analyzing the analytics, but then putting that extra value layer on top with your ideas of how you could how the app could perform better. Building different service packages again, you might decide that it's not right to actually have all of the all of these services at the proactive tier, but having a blend of you know, the most important things, particularly in the early launch period of an app. Um, so you maybe focus on having proactive services built around the maintenance and management of the app, 
the technical infrastructure and the acquisition phase driving more downloads, which obviously is the most important thing in the first couple of days and months of an app's launch. But the latter uh, stages in the lifecycle are being less important, so you're simply just going to state facts of what's happening in terms of the engagement and retention of the app, but focusing more of the client's budget on the, the acquisition phase. So the whole idea here is that you can kind of pick and mix and select services from, from any block on this matrix to really custom fit the service so it suits the specific need of the client. So the next level, the third level, the sort of top tier, um, this is a, where things really switch quite dramatically from uh, it just being you as the, as the advisor, the responsibility for tier one and tier two still sits very much with the, your client. Um, but when you go to level three, you're effectively becoming an extension of that business. Um, so you're now not talking to them about what's happening and stating the fact. You're adding a lot of value by, by simply stating, this is what you're doing to drive the, the better outcome of the app. So at the top level, you know, it might be things like, um, you know that iOS is launching, you're ahead of the game, you know what's what's happening, so you're already planning what to do to the app to test the app to make sure that it will be compliant with iOS 11 as soon as, as, soon as that build's available. You know exactly what targets have been set for acquisition, engagement and retention, and you're reporting against those targets. So just, again, just for an example, you've committed to the client here that you're going to um, drive 10,000 new downloads to the app every month. You're sitting at 73% of that target. Um, so you're going to be telling your client what you're doing to, to make sure that you get to more than 100% of that target next month with whatever marketing mix you decide is appropriate to uh, for, that, uh, for that app. But in this example, again, uh, the engage and retain phase isn't so important because it's a relatively mature map, but ultimately in time, you'd be looking at then having a managed service across the whole of the app where you're not just responsible for driving downloads, but you're also then responsible for a, for a, a measure, a KPI for the level of engaged users. As we know, there's no point in having you know a million downloads of an app if you have a very, very small percentage of those actually end up being engaged and using the app frequently. And ultimately, um, the overall retention, there's no point in having Again, 10,000 people downloading the app if you've got uh, only 2% of them still using that within seven days of that initial download. So this is where you're really uh, becoming the, the extension of the, um, the mobile app business yourself. You position yourself very much as the, the product manager, the digital manager, the CTO in some cases. Um, you would own the, the update, the development lifecycle of the, the app, obviously agreeing things ahead of time with the with your client, um, you would own the, the roadmap and you'd be advising the client in terms of all the technology trends to make sure that they're ahead of any potential um, problems to the app with new OS updates, or you're taking full advantage of any new features and functions that are coming out of the app. So for an example of that is think of the biometrics that were introduced with iPhones a, a few versions back, figuring out how you could actually improve the way in which the, the individual interacts with the app by using the biometrics, you know, advising your client how that could then work within their app. And I'm sure with um, iPhone 8, there'll be all kinds of other new features that uh, you could be advising your client with. Ultimately, you would also be running the media campaign, so not just working within the, the mobile space, but thinking of more traditional um, 
marketing techniques, you know, pay-per-click as well as um, traditional uh, landing pages, optimizing campaigns, getting reviews, getting you know bloggers to blog about the app, all these sorts of things could potentially come into the mix depending on the type of app that it is. So you'd be you'd effectively own the um, the PL effectively for the app on behalf of the client. So again I just want to stop and pause because I know I'm I'm rattling through this this pretty quickly. But what I've tried to cover here is that this is all about building service offerings that are specifically focused on meeting customer needs. And I know that's the thing that people always say in these presentations, and it's all very easy to say. But I think if you are thinking very clearly about the typical life cycle of the app, where the client's app is in that life cycle, whether it's a, an early app or whether it's a, a mature app, that will determine very specifically the types of services you want to offer them. It's really important to not have a one-size-fits-all and lock yourself into um, uh, services that are very difficult to change and very difficult to upsell or are so broad that your client feels like they're paying for things that just don't feel right for them to need to pay at this particular point in time. So that's why you need to make it easy to buy. You need to structure them in very clear ways so the client can see very clearly where they are within the overall um, service block that they are actually buying and ultimately you need to think about how you're actually going to get that customer to agree to paying for that service if you haven't actually um, if you don't actually have any customers right now that are paying for services probably the best way to do it for a number of reasons is to start at that level one block that I showed you in that matrix um, which is easy and relatively low cost but more importantly it doesn't actually mean that you need to make any changes to your business model so you don't have to be thinking about any additional labor you don't have to be thinking about uh, do you actually have the skills within your business because uh, as I said in the earliest slides you're simply telling them what you've actually seen within the app during the month in this example you probably wouldn't even be having a conversation with them about what that tells them you're simply providing with with the raw data um, for a relatively modest fee Again, I'm stressing it, but I, need to, I think I need to stress it again, is really be clear what's in scope and don't be tempted to over deliver. We've talked to lots of people that have, have started off with this and it's very easy to say yes to the, would you please come on a call every week just to discuss how this app is performing um, because you know we're very keen to know what's happening. If that's not what's in your service agreement, if they want that, then that means they're up in the the um, proactive service which and means they pay for that or you say yes I'll do it for the next two calls but after that you have to realize that th these are our services and this is how we need to charge you so if you, if you do step beyond that line in the sand they do realize that they're, they're they have to pay now sometimes uh, it's quite good to give people something for free as long as they understand the value but to simply slip into the, the habit of yes okay because you like the client you're willing to just go that extra mile makes it very difficult for you then to turn around at a later date and say I'm sorry but we've been doing this for five weeks now and now you need to pay for the service or I'm not coming on this call that's obviously a, a bad conversation to have for your client and always always make sure that these recurring revenue services are explained as part of your overall service again when we talk to people they talk that they the mobile app development businesses are so focused on the build phase and the ideation and the creative phase that they forget in inverted commas to talk about what happens once the app goes live but if you're positioning your services as a full life cycle um, service 
then it's really important to explain what that means. And that will mean an ongoing financial commitment from the client to, to be focused on optimizing. And as they are spending money based on the things that will be most important to them, driving downloads, driving engagement, driving retention, they should be happy to pay that because ultimately it's going to give them a better result from their app. But it's really, really important to sell it as a, upfront as part of your service it's just the way we do things then to try and slip it in at the end of the project when things might be a little bit stressed between you and the client as you're trying to get this app pushed across the line and live to then say ah right now we need to talk to you about your support packages not the best time to start um, feeling like upselling the client okay right we're now we're going to start getting into a bit of depth now and hopefully put a little bit of meat on the bones the example we're going to pick is the acquisition phase of the app. The reason I want to focus on that one is because it's probably the one that you're going to deliver for your client first after you've built the app. And it's possibly the one that's the most complex here. So looking at it again, and in terms of the reactive, proactive, and managed phase, um, this is the example of a reactive ASO solution. So you're simply going to uh, tell them um, how the app is performing in terms of the keywords. Obviously, you've decided with a client ahead of time that you the app want, the app should perform well for the following keywords. Um, they've already told you who, the, who they expect to be competing with. So you're then reporting to them every month saying, for these three keywords against these five competitors or whatever the numbers are, um, this is how your app is performing. You'll give them a weekly or monthly or whatever um, review uh, summary of the reviews, both negative and positive, um, or recent and helpful is the way some of the, uh, I think the Apple Store actually described them like that, um, and ultimately the star rating. So what is the app star rating compared to its competitors? You're going to do this as an automated report because you don't want to spend any labor hours doing it. Um, you send it to the client automatically, um, and ultimately that's it. You've given them the client what they want. Um, end of service. Now, what people typically do is occasionally they'll contact the client and try and use this as a sales opportunity to try and upsell them either to the proactive client or if there's something big within the stats, they might well say, well, look, there really is something here. We do need to talk to you about maybe it's, uh, running a side projects to solve a particular problem. Um, but it is potentially one of the best sales opportunities you, sales tools your sales guys can have is to look at the report um, and then use it as a means to suggest maybe some follow-up work you need to do. But ultimately, if you can get the client to pay for that service, to pay for that um, uh, analysis and suggestion, then surely that's an even better situation. So the proactive service would be everything that you see in the reactive service, but um, with your advice and guidance on top. So it would be, these are the things that we can do to, to help drive more updates from the store. You know, we. Uh, sorry, more downloads from the store by updating the app more regularly. Comparing how your competitors are, are updating is a great way to encourage your client to do it. So if, an app, if you're performing or competing against apps that are updated very frequently, as we know that's viewed favorably by the app stores. Um, so uh, you can then see through that report, this app is updated three days ago. You haven't updated your app for three months it's not surprising that you're not getting as many downloads as you'd expect. 
um, looking at ways in which you can start optimizing the content against keywords, analyzing apps that are performing better in the store against your listing, and uh, seeing what they're doing to uh, outperform you. And there might be means where you can actually then start using the approaches they're taking to um, uh, improve or close the gap between your performance and their performance. Um, screenshot A-B testing, you know, video, all of these things, though, are things that you would suggest and then ultimately agree a price that would uh, the client would pay for before you actually commission the work. Um, it's probably going to consume between one and two hours worth of effort a month uh, just to do the analysis and uh, and compile the report. And you probably want to factor in there about an hour's worth of time to actually sit, physically sit down with the client and review whether that's face-to-face -face or over the phone. But it's a relatively light amount of effort and doesn't really involve an awful lot of um, detailed knowledge or you don't have to be a marketing expert to do it. Very often the information will be, will be quite obvious from, from what the report's telling you. Then ultimately moving up to the, the ASO fully outsourced managed service, um, as I said in the other example, you're, you've agreed performance targets. Um, maybe it's you want to be ranked in the top 50 for three keywords or top 10 for, for three keywords, or maybe it's based on the real measure of success, which is the, ultimately the downloads, um, then that that's uh, the ultimate service that you want to offer to your clients. Obviously, most people don't really get uh, to the managed service until they're very comfortable that they really understand the client's uh, app and their go-to-market, it's quite difficult to go from building an app to then delivering a fully outsourced ASO service when you're not really under the skin of the client and under, under the skin of the app. Um, but um, ultimately, it's really there to um, for you to effectively become that marketing extension to their overall business, particularly if the app owners aren't really that uh, that marketing savvy. So in terms of the service description, think of this as, say, the copy on your website or the proposition, the way you describe the service to your client. And ultimately, obviously, you'd have one of these for each of the four service blocks that ran up across the bottom of that uh, that matrix. Um, so asking the question, um, are you getting the full share of all the, the downloads from it? from the app store you know we will help you nail the app store listing first time so that you're getting it the best possible app store listing um when the app goes live uh, but we'll also be there to continually optimize and test and change the um, the keywords and continually repost um or resubmit the app updates to the to the app store to keep the um the uh, uh, the performance of the, the app uh in uh, in good shape. Um, working with the agency, you know, you'll will allow you to stand out from the crowd. The big problem a lot of apps have is that they um, they're all trying to compete with the same keywords, and there really there's no way in which they can actually stand out in the crowd. So, but but by working with you, you'll actually help them get the best out of their app in the store, drive more traffic, and uh, ultimately be there to show them what the things that they can do to actually make sure that the app outperforms. So in terms of how this would then play into, into a service matrix, this is typically how 
um, we suggest you, you lay it out. Not necessarily this design, but you know this could be something you have on your website, or it could be something that you actually have in your proposal document. Probably proposal document rather than actually this sort of detail on the website. But what we try to do here is try to detail in relatively uh, in, in good detail, specifically the, the individual service blocks you deliver under each of these reactive, proactive, and managed services. The first thing here is that you can see that we've defined very clear price blocks between the three levels. So, you know, the 250 minimum, the 495 is the next tier, and then a big jump up to um, 10 times the cost for the managed service. And that's deliberate because obviously there's a lot of um, additional labor <coughs> and additional risk that you're taking on by actually operating at that uh, at that top level. And you can see very clearly from this that as they actually pay more, you're delivering more services. And as you go down that table, um, the value of the service you're delivering will be, will be much greater. And within here also, you can see where we actually state whether it's included in the price or whether it's an additional fee that they would have to then pay. So clear boundaries, what's included, what's not included. There shouldn't be any scope for any debate or confusion. Um, you're also making it very clear for upgrade. You make it clear that you know, the highest elements sit within the third tier. So if they really do want you to become an extension of their overall team, then um, they have to obviously pay that. And ultimately, that's designed to be almost a full-time salary for somebody. Clearly, working within an agency, they would, you'd, be my, you'd be working on multiple clients for the same cost. Cost, but um, as far as the, the client is concerned, uh, they're effectively paying for a for a dedicated high skilled member of staff. And then within that, obviously, there'd be scope to adjust the prices within the tier. So the idea in there is that you might want to build um, custom packages based on um, maybe adding some features from the proactive into reactive or some of the managed service features into the proactive phase if there was a particular thing that the client wanted. But then you're making it very clear what the relative price of these things are, which would then mean that if you're adding two or three of the tick boxes that are sitting under the level three into the level two, then they're obviously going to pay more than, than 495 per month per app for that service. Another, another thing, just as we're coming to the end of this, uh, just another passing thought on ASO and its potential. This is something that um, our customers have told us about. We actually hadn't really thought about this when uh, when we were uh, launching our ASO tool, but actually it's a pretty powerful hunting tool. You can actually use it as a means to actually secure more deals. So I just thought before I ended, I'd, I'd just add this into the presentation as we were talking about ASO. The way this seems to work best is you pick a sector that you know and you've got experience in, so you've actually got examples you can show of similar work you've done with similar clients. You go into the App Store and you find those apps um, that are effectively competing with the apps that you might have built, for, built already. You'll then create an App Store report looking at how that app is performing in terms of the keywords and reviews or when it was last updated. You'd generate a PDF, you send that to the client, and then you'd call them a week later to say, you know, I just thought I'd send you this report, and now it's time to discuss what's, you know, what we found in it. And ultimately, of course, the the proposition there is if you work with us, because we go beyond just that basic build phase and we actually are there for the entire life cycle of the app, work with us, 
will help you improve the overall performance of the app, and ultimately it will probably turn into a, um, a retirement and rebuild of that app anyway if the performance is particularly bad. So that then creates a lot of additional project revenue for you. So with the ASO, there's potential there of it actually being a tool that you can actually your sales teams can use to go target apps you want to work with and then secondarily it can be one of the most powerful most useful tools to work with your client the second the app is launched um, helping them drive downloads of the app so just like a couple of quick slides at the end um, one thing if you are interested in the absolute optimization thing we actually do have a playbook on this and some of the things I've talked about here are described in the playbook um, but we also as part of the the material we produce you know we've got service guides that describe how you can actually build some of these service blocks as well as even marketing material at like the top one there with the, the colored graphs on it sitting on top of the phone where you can actually take them um, use use it as is and just put your logo on or just adapt them to, to suit your specific needs so you can have these for free just some just to give you an idea of what we have behind this um, we obviously cumulus is a platform it's a fully white labeled platform um, and within that you have an analytics view we've got uh, um, a push notification service which includes geofencing and a whole whole bunch of other smart targeting options um, the monthly report that I talked about, you know, um, we actually have a means by which we can generate this monthly report for you, whether it's an ASO report or whether it's a complete report covering all aspects of the services you have in the app. Um, app Store optimization feature, and ultimately it's, it can be a fully rebrandable service, which is important, obviously, because the last thing you want to be doing is sending material to your client with Cumulus branding all over it. You want to be sending it to your client with your name and brand over it because that then means that it's your name that's regularly in front of the client and not ours. So, Scott, that's me. I hope that made sense to you and I hope it made sense to everybody else. Um, thank you for paying attention. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, and I'm back on. You can hear me? Everybody? I can hear you. Okay, great. Yep, I can hear you. Okay, okay, all good. Um, yeah, so well, thank you that for that, Bob. Um, so just to let you know, our future webinars coming up. Uh, so our next our next webinar, as you can see there on the slide, is how to price recurring revenue services in your mobile app development businesses. Should be October 26th, which is next month at 11 a.m. Eastern U.S. time. That is before this. That's a couple days before the daylight savings change. So that's 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 the time that is 11 a.m. Eastern U.S. time, which is 4 p.m. here in the U.K. And you can register by going to cumulus.com/webinars. You can find a link and you can register right for your webinar right there. Um, just to answer, um, we do have a time for just a few questions here um, before we get going. Um, as I said, uh, somebody asked me. Uh, uh, as neat, one of our uh, one of our uh, new registrations there asks us, uh, will there be a recording for this rec for this uh, their, this webinar? Yes, this is being recorded, and we'll put it up on our YouTube channel afterwards. And wanted to let you guys know about a special offer for everybody who's attended this webinar. We are offering a one a free one hour telephone conversation. Able, available to everyone on this webinar today. Uh, this will give you a deeper dive, and we're not necessarily going to be, we won't be talking about our product. It's going to be more focused on your business. It's going to be how, you, how you, can, you can grow your business with recurring revenue services, how you can add different bolt-on services to your app business, and how you can get going. It'll give you, give you a unique approach to the unique aspects of your business with your wider management team. So if you're interested in, in pursuing this, just drop us a line at info at cumulus.com. 
com, and that'll put you in touch with one of our helpful, one of our helpful consultants, and we'll set up the uh, the consultation and talk to you and see how we can get your business going. Uh, now, so if we can get to our questions, we do have uh, some questions here, and we had a question from uh, our first question comes from Stefan. Are, are you ready over there? I'm ready. Yeah, okay. shoot, fire. Okay, okay here it comes. Uh, let's see. Stefan says, "I like the idea of offering offering services, but I'm worried about how I can do it without adding more cost or more staff. How exactly does that work?" Okay, so I, I covered some of this in the presentation. The idea of you can definitely start doing a lot of these things, uh, almost all of these things, I would say, certainly along the maintenance. Um, acquisition, uh, engagement, and retention phases really by adding no additional effort or no additional cost. Um, simply by taking, you know, if you decide to use Cumulus, taking the Cumulus system, taking the report within the Cumulus system, and then sending that out to your client every month. So effectively, it would be no work other than uh, pressing a button, generating a PDF, and then sending an email. So, you know. Uh, probably wouldn't involve any any additional work at all even if you're doing that across uh, a very large number of clients you're, you're talking maybe 10 minutes per client maximum to do that and now obviously as you see more success coming from it either that's projects or maybe it's um, the di additional dialogue you're having with customers you might then decide to add some additional resource or some additional specialist skills um, and then start building up your your optimization services within your business, but you can certainly start get going and build confidence without adding any headcount. I would say, and we're seeing people doing that relatively successfully. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that. And we do have a question here from Ludovico. Uh, thank you, Ludovico. Um, his question is about service levels. Okay, it's kind of a, a overview question here, um, and he's asking. Uh, isn't separating service levels for each service block a bit too complicated for the end customer? Um, what's a good way to present that to the customer in a simple manner? Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. Um, it's The matrix I had there had 12 blocks on it, and it is quite complicated, particularly if you start getting into, as I said, at the checkboxes at the end, starting to move things to different columns and create bespoke packages. Um, it's a tough question. I mean, it really depends an awful lot on the types of clients you have. If you're dealing with a lot of business-to-business -business clients, their needs are probably going to be less sophisticated than the needs you're going to have from retail clients. Um, and it's a little bit of a um, fine line between offering a package which seems too broad so that it catches things that, as I said in the presentation, they don't really want to pay for at that point, um, or being so narrow and so specific it's difficult to build um, or difficult to explain. But I think if you're talking in broad terms about there are four distinct things that you need to be concerned about once the, thing, the app goes live, maintaining and managing the integrity and the stability of the app, driving more people into the app, the people that you're driving to the app, making sure that they are heavily engaged in the app and that they stay using the app. That's a, that's a relatively simple thing for people to, to understand. And you can pretty much ignore explaining the, the, the vertical tiers on that of reactive, proactive and managed because they don't really care whether it's reactive or proactive. You're just simply saying, well, for your needs, we're going to focus very much on acquiring new customers. So we're going to do everything we possibly can to do that. You know, we're going to tell you where you're at and suggest things you can do to improve that, uh, those that down the volume of downloads. So 
you, what you're really doing is you're building a customized service. So you don't need to start describing all these intricate little details. Sure, when you then lay that contract down with your client and say, this is what we're going to deliver, it's really important to be specific. Uh, but I think you can still describe it relatively simply just by talking about life cycle of the app and uh, and where your app is going to require most most attention in its in the next sort of three to six months. All right, did that uh, make sense? I, I hope so. I think I think so. That was um, for Ludovico, and we get one more question time for one more here. Oh yeah, and Lud Ludovico says yes, yes with a smiley face. Okay, okay, so okay, good. <laughs> okay, Thank you for that. Satisfied customer there. We've got time for one more here from Avnit. Hope I pronounced that right. Um, who uh, is he? Basically, the question is, uh, how is Cumos helping current businesses? And how have they benefited? He was he was looking for a couple, maybe Bob, if you could say like a specific example of how Cumulus has helped a current customer. Yeah, I, I can't give names because obviously you wouldn't right. want me talking publicly about you know other names and and uh, anytime I I speak to um, businesses, I always say that anything you tell me doesn't go any further, at least not specifics. Um, there are there are a number of ways. I think the, the first one is. We do have specific customers that struggle with win rates, partly because um, they're um, selling a relatively commoditized service. And I don't mean that to be in any way insulting. They're just they're selling a build service, very, very much built on cost. Um, and this example is a, is a true example of a, a one in 14 win rate. Um, so really what they want to do is they want to use a service that allows them to um, to stand out and be different. And that's where I was saying there, you know, this is the big the big win is to actually then to be able to say, well, working with us means that you can have a completely different approach to the way in which you deal with new customers. So increase your win rate. So, you know, if you're pitching for 100, business, 100 pieces of business a year, and you can double your win rate. That's a that's a pretty big benefit. And customers are doing that right now using the Cumulus platform, branding it up as theirs, and then showing it effectively as a shop front to their business to say, this is what it's like to work with us. Completely different to the way in which the traditional mobile app development business is interacting. And the second one, obviously, is is filling in those gaps and those humps with those revenue lines. If you can get to a position, and we do have customers doing this, if you can get to a position where you're paying your office rent from the recurring revenue services, your office rent, and then maybe your administrative staff, your non-billable staff through your recurring revenue services to ultimately get into a position where you know, the nirvana would be all of your running costs of all of your business, including all of your technical staff is covered by the recurring revenue that's coming from the existing customers, then that's obviously a great place to be because every project you win is pure profit. Now, I don't know of anybody who's actually at that level now, but I certainly do know of uh, I've got at least two or three people that I can think of right now that are definitely on that line of paying their rent and paying their, their non-productive, non-billable staff through the recurring revenue services that they're, they're generating from um, either directly from Cumulus services or from other things that they're selling. For example, you know, AWS or Azure services where they're maybe selling it, selling it with a margin on top. Do you think that answered his question? Well, he just got another big thumbs up from Avnit, and um, he's looking forward to that call. So if you oh, yeah, so right. so again to repeat that, yeah, we are offering a one free hour consultation. Not it's not going to be about Cumulus; it's going to be about your business. So if you drop us a line to info at cumulus.com, and we'll get that set up for you. 
And uh, I think that's it, Bob. We've got all our questions answered. Looks like everybody's happy. And uh, as long as you're happy, I think we can um, say goodbye to everybody. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Thanks for everybody's patience. All right. Thanks for thanks for stopping by, everybody. And, yes, this will be on our YouTube channel either, if not tomorrow, by Monday. And you'll get an email from GoToMeeting with that in there. Uh, be sure to sign up for our next webinar in October. Thanks again, everyone.